1: With that refrain of inflation seeping into capital markets, prolonged inflation, that tune uh, starting to creep into markets as well, is real asset exposure almost imperative, whether it's real estate or precious metals or other assets? We put that question to our guest today, Cheng Chaisen, Head of Investment at Provident. Good morning, Chaisen.
0: Hi, Michelle.
1: Hi, help us understand how investing experts like you view the importance of real assets um, in today's environment.
0: Um, well, real assets—I uh, guess you would, yeah—you have to define it first. You know, as uh, real estate. Well, yeah, physical precious metals, physical commodities like uh, uh, materials like copper, coal, steel, sugar, uh, or agriculture. You know, sugar, cotton, etc uh, we you know all these things yeah they are real assets and uh well in theory, they do uh, in an inflationary environment, they might um, help you uh, sort of preserve some value, but uh, a lot of it has to do with uh, making sure that you understand the supply and demand dynamics for. Or these assets because um, it, can, it can be quite complex and very very um, multifaceted so so uh, I guess real assets in a portfolio it, it, depend, it also depends on what portfolio size you're talking about, because mm-hmm. if you are um, a, a, a retail investor, um, likely the, the most the, the real asset that you are able to have is uh, real estate, maybe one or two homes or three or four right. you know. Um, but if you are a large institutional investor, uh, yes, you know, with, with uh, you, you might be able to own uh, coal, field, well, maybe not coal fields these days, but you know, a gold mine, silver mm-hmm. mine, um, yeah, something like that. So, so it really depends. Uh, firstly, on the scale of the portfolio. Um, Yeah, and uh, for investing in real assets, an investor really should have a deep understanding of uh, supply and demand dynamics. All
1: right. Let's say we're trying to understand large institutional moves. Uh, What do we have to understand about the dynamics you say, supply and demand dynamics of where we are currently? as it relates to real assets. So for example, if we're looking at quantitative easing, uh inflation picking up pace, how is this likely to impact asset values in real assets?
0: Um, Yeah, well, see. so say quantitative easing. Well, first of all, actually, quantitative easing is somewhat ending Mm -hmm. because uh, the Fed is actually starting to taper their uh, bond purchases at $15 billion a month. But, you know, in theory, yes, uh, say you you might think that gold would be a good store of value, right, in a time of inflation, in a time of uh, quantitative easing. But uh, strangely enough, gold hasn't done much at all this year. Uh, So... You know, the uh, gold prices have largely been uh, sort of range-bound almost for the mm. entire year, despite uh, inflation concerns, despite uh, uh, yeah, low interest rates, despite quantitative easing. So, uh, I guess, you know, when you talk about supply-demand dynamics, it can be something like, uh, say, iron ore, mm. right? I mean, uh, the large consumers of iron ore, say, like um, uh, countries like China we're looking to build a lot of infrastructure, real estate. Any slowdown in the economy there, that would impact the demand for iron ore, and hence, you know, the demand for steel, something like that. So you'd have to understand who's the largest end consumer of this, um, of this commodity, of this uh, material, and uh, or, or even to say for crops like sugar or or cotton or, or wheat, you know, you have to understand the temperature uh, changes that the um, weather changes and the weather conditions and how that's impacting the crops in the areas which are the biggest suppliers of these uh, of these agricultural commodities to understand how the price is moving and, and and what you should do with
1: it. It's a big category, isn't it? Real assets, really large. And I'm wondering if we look at the world today and we look at these mega trends, you know, aging, population aging, or. Um, uh, how travel is going to be impacting what it is that we spend on? Can we connect any of these megatrends with real assets that make some asset types more compelling than others under this umbrella of real assets?
0: Well, I guess yeah, you one of the big megatrends out there right now, and uh, you know, is happening as we speak. The the uh, COP twenty six. So you know, you you uh, the the big trend would be to uh, lower reliance on fossil fuels fossil fuels so you know that is really um a big call a question of whether or not you know uh, long term it makes sense to continue to invest in oil and gas and and coal you know production and productive assets that that produce this kind of fossil fuels because uh you know due to uh, real concerns about climate change as you can see um there's a big push to move towards renewables and so maybe you know It might make more sense to invest in uh, renewable uh, energy, uh, in in the types of uh, uh, materials needed for renewable energy, such as, say, uh, for batteries, we need rare earth, um, that kind of thing.
1: All right. We're understanding real assets today, uh, a separate and distinct asset class from financial assets uh, thought to have intrinsic value and derive their value from a um, contractual claim on an underlying asset that could be real. Um, Or it could be intangible as well. All right. And joining us this morning to help us understand is Cheng Chai Sen, head of investment over at Provident. Most people, when they think of real assets, they wonder if, you know, liquidity and issues like transparency. Are these still key considerations when it comes to investing in real assets today? Uh,
0: It's always a key question when you are thinking of investing in anything, really. Uh, Liquidity, of course, because it depends on what kind of asset you're buying. If you're buying a house, uh, buying a big commercial building, um, buying a gold mine, or even just buying physical gold, Um, yes, liquidity would be a concern because, um, well, I think we're all very familiar, much more familiar with real estate. So, you know, real Mm. estate, uh, you know, you buy a building, you buy a house um, to... To obviously, to rent out and to uh, for capital gains in the future, uh, but there there is also a liquidity concern because you, um, you know, it's a large uh, amount of money and uh, it's not easy to sell. You know, within a few days, you know, selling a uh, even just a residential house, you have to go through the process of uh, you know finding a buyer. Uh, agreeing on the price, you know getting all the paperwork done, the buyers got to make sure their financing is in place, so uh, in terms of all that, you know that, you know you must you have to assess you know the how long it takes for a transaction to close you know, and, and what your liquidity needs are. Of course it's uh, multiplied for much larger asset purchases like say commercial buildings or industrial buildings um, in terms of financing, well, mm-hmm. you know interest rates are fairly low right now. So, uh, I, and I, so financing might not be such a challenge for you know, if the asset's productive and if the asset is uh, um, one that you know banks and investors are willing to lend against. So, so just back to my previous example, uh, it might not be so easy to get financing say, if you wanted to do oil and gas right now. But you know, there's a lot of financing for uh, green energy and renewables and and uh, any kind of. Uh, uh, investment that that uh, is likely to cut emissions.
1: Jason help us understand how investors assess opportunities with this class of real assets.
0: Um, it's the same as any kind of uh, investment. You want to assess what kind of uh, risks there are. Uh, of course, liquidity risk, uh, as we mentioned earlier, is one. Uh, but you, you would look at any any kind of uh, risk, uh, the demand. Uh, the supply, the competition, uh the productiveness of the asset, uh in terms of real estate, the location. Uh so so all these would be um uh considerations because uh the key for any kind of investing uh be it in a company or in a real asset it's about the cash flows that you can get from the asset at the end of it. And so you know the, the, the things that investors would look at are are the same. It's just that um, the, uh, the the way the transactions are completed is uh, very different. Because if you are buying a listed security, it's uh, it, it's as simple as just giving an order to the broker, and they'll buy it off the exchange. Right. While well, if you were to purchase or invest directly into a into a, a, an asset, you would need. Uh, to, to go through a legal team because you know you'd have to sort out all the, the terms and the documentation for the sale or the purchase of this asset.
1: Help us think through this question, you know whether or not investing in real assets is a winning bet for a post-COVID world when we talk about recovery and rebuilding. Uh, you mentioned COP26 as well, and many people think that in order to have a better future, you need to be investing in alternative energy infrastructure, for example. So do we need to invest in real assets for a better future?
0: Um, I think, well... The, the world is built on, you know, in a way, real assets, right? And as you mentioned earlier, financial assets uh, sort of a way to have a claim on the underlying real assets. You know, be it a company, a factory, uh, you know, a gold mining company, shares in a gold mining company. Well, you you have a claim onto the the gold mines. You know, the, this gold mining company operates, for example. So, so uh, be it. Um, financial asset or, or real asset, you know, that the keys are still the same. You know, you want to assess the, the future viability of uh, whatever uh, the asset is producing, what the asset is, uh, kind of cash flows that you can get from this asset. And then, of course, whether or not that fits into your portfolio and the goal for your portfolio. So, you know, if you wanted to have a more sustainable portfolio, um you, doesn't necessarily mean you need to buy, you know, a sustainable say uh, farm, but mm. you could buy into the shares of a company that operates um, sustainable farms, for example. So, oh, right. so that that would be, I think, the key consideration. There is really what kind of uh, return profile you want, what kind of risk you're willing to take, and also uh, time what horizon. the goal of your time horizon and, and the yeah. goals of your portfolio, because you know that's that's important.
1: So. To what extent are real assets a compelling opportunity for investors? If we talk about alternative investments in an age where crypto, for example, crypto assets becoming more mainstream, at least in conversation, do you as an investing expert see less interest flowing towards investing in real assets? I think
0: real assets are always uh, compelling uh, investments. And I mean, the question really is uh, what kind of price, you know, out there. Uh, For real assets, I think for for large uh, institutional investors, um, they're always looking to diversify their portfolios and to hold some real assets. So, you know, there's still plenty of sort of transactions going on for you know commercial buildings, for for uh, all sorts of other things like. uh, even oil fields, even um, uh, gold mines, etc. out there. So, you know, real assets are still a compelling uh, investment uh, opportunity for, for many investors.
1: I mean, the headlines are talking about the U.S. and, you know, its infrastructure bill and how much spending is going there. And we see infrastructure a key element in so many fiscal plans. Help us understand what a well-constructed, diversified real asset portfolio could look like um, at the institutional level. Or what? Whatever level that, that you you have experience with,
0: well, I think as with any portfolio, you know, being diversified is key. But also, you know, it depends on the investor and their expertise. So, you know, uh, you could really focus on uh, certain types of real assets. Is that your expertise? Like, say, real estate, uh, say, coal, or I you mean, know, sorry, or even steel, or even. Um, uh, Iron ore, et cetera. So it, it, depending on your, the expertise of the investor, but of, with root, with diversification, um, it's hard to really say because it depends on also portfolio size and how, because for real assets, you know, every per- you can't split an asset in two in a way. You know, like <laughs> can't split a building in two. Mm. So when you make a purchase, um, you know, it will always be of a certain size. So it really depends on the investor's portfolio size, uh, the investor's um, expertise in in how they are able to manage the portfolio. So with diversification, of course, um, I guess it's a bit cliche, but you can always say the more the better. In a way, you know, the more different elements of Real assets you can put into the portfolio. The more diversified it would be, uh, but the consideration and keep in mind is you, you have to have the expertise to to understand uh, all the different assets you are putting into your portfolio, and also, uh, well, yeah, you also need to have the large enough portfolio size that you can um, diversify into many, many different types of real assets.
1: All right. And your bottom line on real assets, are they really emerging as major beneficiaries of this new environment, you know, pandemic accelerating several long-term trends?
0: Well, real assets have always been there. So, you know, it just depends on uh, what... Uh, sort of the the world is focusing on at the moment what the trend is and and what the needs of the world is at the moment so i guess right now you know it it really would be uh, in terms of energy you know clean energy Mm -hmm. or any kind of assets that are around sustainability and around uh, renewables that are likely to benefit
1: all right well thank you so much for helping us understand real assets sheng chai sun is head of investment at provident
0: before acting on the information on money fm